Hey there. If you are looking for ways to support the network that don't involve spending extra money, consider going to duckfeed.tv slash tip jar and using the Amazon links there. If you're going to be buying any of these Stephen King books that we're talking about or audiobooks, any of those things, uh, use that link. It takes you to the Amazon that you know, uh, and we get a small cut of the proceeds of whatever you buy. Uh, once again, that is duckfeed.tv slash tip jar. If you want to follow along with the mist or any of these others. Additionally, for this episode, uh, I want to issue a general content warning uh, for things related to suicide, because that is uh, tied up in the book itself. No spoilers. It's about a disaster, et cetera, et cetera. So if that's going to make your day worse by hearing that, uh, consider if this is the episode for you. Otherwise... Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a podcast about the Dark Tower series of books and its related works by Stephen King. I am your host, Cole Ross, and today I am joined by... Uh, Gary Butterfield. Yeah, welcome, Hello. Gary. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> today we are beginning the um, the uh, off-season between The Wastelands and Wizard and Glass um, by talking about some Dark Tower-related works. Now, this is going to be a very long off-season um, to mimic the long break between those two books. Really, I just wanted to give us time to read the stand, but uh, <laughs> let's pretend, let's hold up that artifice. Gary, welcome. Hi. Hey. Um, I, I did not read the stand. <laughs> so I'm 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 yeah. just coming through with just just I, I I chose the shortest of the works. I, I went novella. Yes, novella for me. <laughs> um, yeah, um, a lot of people listening probably know who you are, but uh, just in case there is one of those hypothetical people who does not listen to the, to the other shows that we do, can you uh, c- c- can you introduce yourself? Yeah, I uh, I am on uh, with you on most of the shows on on Duckfeed. So we do watch out for fireballs and abject suffering and file underwater. And monster my podcast uh, together, and formerly Bonfire Side Chat, and then I also do uh, Days of Future Cast with uh, Jeremy Greer and Teenage Dirtbags with Brayton Cameron, both of whom have been on the show. Yeah, yeah, which is uh, yeah former alum, <laughs> Radio Free Middle World alum. I was not been on this show, but I saw on the calendar that we planned things that you were covering The Mist, and I've always wanted an excuse to read it because it is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So I, I watched the movie as well. Um, <laughs> and we're, we're, prim- we're primarily going to be talking about the book, but it's going to be hard not to talk about cool things that the movie does because it is very, very good. It's so accurate. <laughs> like just in the world of adaptation, not even in the world of Stephen King adaptation. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is an extremely accurate adaptation. Yeah. Uh, to, to the, to the book. Yeah. That's uh that's Darabont's thing. Um, yeah. is, uh, this, the, you know, th- this concluded like the trilogy, like he did the Shawshank Redemption. He did, uh, he did the green mile and then he did this before going into walking Deadland. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's a Which very, is not an accurate adaptation. No, like that's also a work ad- of adaptation. And it's especially the first seasons, the stuff, the stuff that Darabont worked on, mm-hmm. uh, goes wildly left field, yeah. uh, in that show. So it's very strange to see him have this entirely different value, mm-hmm. uh, with these books. Yeah. Um, so we've talked a little bit about Stephen King in the past. Have you had any experience with him outside of when I made you read that, uh, dark tower comic for try this? Um, I have read, uh, probably six or seven short stories. Okay. Uh, some of which I remember the name of some of which I don't, uh, no novels. Um, I bought the dark tower, um, but have not started reading it yet. The, 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 the gunslinger. 
Or the gunslinger. Thing. Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, the, no, no, it was a test. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> passed or else. Um, I mean, there is a book called The Dark Tower, but it would be very strange to start with yeah, that one. Just, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to work my way from the middle out. Uh, it's, a, it's a middle out reading system. Yeah. The um, No, no, I, I uh, so I've only really read short stories and like the, uh, in general, um, have stayed away in part just because of length, like a lot of times they are very long wordy books. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just, I just don't read tons of fiction anymore. Like it didn't get me in the, you know, in, in the, the zone, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of people I know who, who really love Stephen King got into him when they were younger yeah. and grew, you know, that, that affection, I'm not saying that as a slight, like that affection grew and became deeper and more nuanced as they got older yeah. um, and stuck with them. It's not, I'm not saying it's like book for books for kids. No, I just think no. people's like real hard, like going real hard into a, a fantasy or sci-fi or horror author, Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as fiction tends to happen to people when they're young. Yes. Um, and yeah. I just, I read other stuff mm-hmm. uh, during, during the period where that would have definitely got me. Yeah. 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 So uh, it's great to have you on here. Cause I really like the story an awful lot. I like the movie mm-hmm. that uh, sprung off of it. I intended to watch the new television adaptation. Um, but uh, some things intervened that I was not able to, that seems very misguided to me because what's amazing about this story uh, is how compact it is. It's like a bottle episode. Yeah. Uh, um, and the, the show is not supposed to be very good, right? You know, I've, I, uh, kind of keep up in general with, um, AV club reviews of TV shows. And because I like the movie so much, I read that and some other reviews of the TV, you know, the TV show. Cause you know, I was like, Oh, like that's weird. They're making that. How do they do that? Mm-hmm. And it turns out not very well. That's right. what it sounds like. Uh, I also don't have any experience with it though. Yeah. Um, so the mist is a novella by, by Stephen King. Um, and it was originally published as a uh, part of a short story collection called dark forces, uh, which is also a Star Wars game. Uh, but yeah. this is back in 1980, which makes us a very early Stephen King work. It's not like Carrie early, but like for reference, um, The Stand came out in 1979, I believe. 1979 or 1980, somewhere around there. So like this is this is him swinging young, um, mm. you know, and then most people probably know this from when it either came out in Skeleton Crew, which is another short story collection of just a really King bad works. Genesis game that, he, that Stephen King is really weirdly attached to. <laughs> yep. It's like Michael Jackson on Sonic, Stephen King on skeleton crew. It's always Genesis. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. also the Genesis game. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, then this was released as its own standalone thing uh, alongside uh, when, when the movie came out uh, and the basic premise of this is that there's a town in Maine obvs uh, called Bridgeton, an actual town. Uh, that is kind of overrun by this otherworldly mist that has brought these horrible creatures along with it. Uh, and a bottle episode is actually very apt because most of it takes place inside of a supermarket with this, you know, pretty sizable group of people and, you know, kind of looks at the way that they cope with this uh, with this with this disaster. Right. Yeah. That, that's what the story is about, to my mind. Like, how do you what are different approaches to being trapped and surrounded by terror? Right. Uh, you know, and, uh, he was inspired by, um, you know, he had, there's a, he was in Maine, he lives in Maine, uh, and there's this huge thunderstorm where he and his son were in this crowded supermarket after this gigantic thunderstorm and just kind of thinking like, Oh, like here's a bunch of people trapped in a disaster. Yeah. What if monster, um, the, um, the, the, um, the bottleness of it, like you could do a very effective, like stage play of this. I feel like, yes, you could. Like the, the, the appearance of the monsters in the book or the, the movie are not like it's cool, but it's not so important to it. No, 
like like all good it reminds me of um zombie fiction in that mm-hmm. where like the downfall is people right it's you know it's not it's not the threat outside it's the threat inside right you know the thing that pushes them out is a particularly dangerous person who has managed to gather influence right yes yeah yeah so yeah it it is like any good piece of apocalyptic fiction in 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 that way and obviously there have been works like this before it but this is actually a really influential story uh, as well in that regard, you know, like a lot of King's work tends to be. Uh, this book is a bit of a departure uh, for King, um, who normally writes in this, you know, omniscient third person uh, kind of view, um, you know, a narrator that only reveals what's going on in somebody's head when it is important to the story. This, uh, it's kind of an apocalypse log. It's being written after the fact from the perspective of the main character, uh, who's an artist named David Drayton. Um, I don't think this is used to particularly good effect in the book. To me, it seems that the idea is this is part of like a general Lovecraftiness of this story. Yes. Like this is a very Lovecraftian story. And this being somebody's, you know, diary after the event, you know, I'm reading, I'm reading this down so other people can see it and go on like that's, you know, Lovecraft as fuck, Uh, you know, so like it seems like that's all kind of part of a piece with the story being, you know, quite so like, you know, uh, uh, Lovecraftian and Eldrick. Mm hmm. Yeah. And uh, Lovecraft is even like name checked in this. You know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's really intentional on that part. When I say it's not used to very good effect, I think it is used for an awful lot of uh, tell don't show in some instances, yeah. which is generally not something that he does. Yeah, that that's my biggest uh, quibble with the book versus the movie is that the book uh, has the main character coming to conclusions that I want the reader to come to. Yeah. Um, and it happens a lot. It doesn't ruin anything. Like, I, I think this is a. A thing where I think the the book or the movie is a hair better mm-hmm. than the book, but they're both really good. Like reading the reading the book was excellent, yeah. you know. Um, and I actually dipped into I did a, a Reddit on my uh, my e reader, but then also had that linked up to my Audible thing. Mm. So parts of it I listened to the audiobook of it, um, which is read by uh, Sanderson. Uh, the guy is it Sanderson, the guy who plays one of the um, stock boys who initially initially uh, converts over to. Uh, oh, he plays Myron. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he reads it and he's excellent. Nice. So it was really cool to go back. Like it, it does really work. And I've heard there's a really good audio play version of this as well. Hmm. Um, that uh, Mai was telling me about on the Slack. Nice. Uh, and said that it is, is just like, you know, all the sound effects and everything happen, but it's it's a complete audio work. Yeah, those are that... really good. I like that a yeah. lot. I'm hoping to find a Stephen King book that is treated like that. Um, mm. However, they are so long that they end up being pretty straight reads. Yeah, you you find it in a in a thrift store on seventeen CDs, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> like yeah, it's, uh, you know, unfolds forever like Mist Five, you know, yeah. like something like that. Um, yeah. So, like I said, this is a very influential story. Uh, I could, you know, like the the Wikipedia actually lists a whole bunch of video games that uh, take off of this, uh, which mm-hmm. is good, even in, you know, including like Silent Hill is a very obvious uh, uh, kind of example of this. The idea of a foggy Silent Hill, um, etc. Um, yeah, and this is a book that, like, when people ask, like, how do I get started with Stephen King? This is what I point him toward because it is so breezy. It is so yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and it's you know so compact. There's there's a lot of action in it. There's a lot of character development, a lot of uh, like interaction. Uh, it's just very uh, like a good fundamental book that like gets you into, if not his normal style, at least his tone. Right? It is a good story. Yeah, the hook is really great uh, for it. I mean, it's very like. Again, you know, it feels like what you do with with these kind of horror, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, bottled up, um, 
you know, works like like a lot of times in zombie fiction. But you have the people turn evil by dealing, you know, not turn evil, turn dangerous by dealing with horror in different ways. And this is a really like feels very textbook mm-hmm. uh, version of that. And that that's again, that's not damning. It's like, no, oh, this no. is like doing this pretty much perfect, like hitting every note mm-hmm. in how you do that. Like all the different articulations of fear <laughs> are hit and pretty well developed. And it is, you know, for somebody who is sometimes put off by the wordiness, like this is a goes so quick. Yeah. It is, uh, and I would also say um, some of the uh, short stories I've read, because um, I know I didn't read this from my cop, uh, copy of Skeleton Crew that I mm-hmm. have, but I have read some of the stories in that. And like, don't get the standalone version of this. You should get Skeleton Crew, yeah, because you get also get some good short stories with it. Yes, you do. The monkey. So, oh man. The yeah. Monkey. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's very good. Also, it's very short. I think it's like uh, it's it's sub two hundred pages based on my based on my Kindle version of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a dark tower show and this is, uh, connected to the dark tower, uh, in some kind of strange ways. So it's an early King work. Um, it was initially published while the gunslinger was still being released as serialized chapters. So this was in 1980 and the gunslinger was published between, uh, 78 and 82. And so the connections to the towers are kind of retconned. You know, King has actually said, uh, that he's pulled, you know, like when he, <laughs> when he was looking for places for the story to go or kind of mechanics for the cosmos, he pulled these concepts from the mist because he liked it so much forward, uh, you know, into the dark tower, uh, so that, um, you could use them, but that also provides some, you know, retroactive explanation as to ex- exactly what happens here, um, in this short story. Mm. Gary, you'll remember um, when we did the try this about the gunslinger um, uh, comic, which covers some of the stuff from book four. Uh, you remember the concept of a thinny? Yes. That like uh, kind of missed uh, that, that <laughs> moved through that canyon. Yes. Like that, that fog that kind of moved through there. Yeah. 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 Um, and so that's one of the uh, concepts that's introduced here a little bit. The mist itself is a combination of that and the toad ash space. Um, so a thinny is a place where the fabric of reality is kind of worn thin. Think like, a, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, the knee of your jeans sometimes, right? Um, allowing mm-hmm. things to pass through. Um, and actually manifests as this warbling, silvery fog. Uh, the katet passes through one of them uh, to the setting of the stand in book four. Um, kind of introducing, not introducing, but actually like bringing, <laughs> making practical the idea that the Dark Tower encompasses, you know, kind of several different levels different mm-hmm. floors of the tower, right? Which act as different dimensions. And between those um, towers, you know, outside, <laughs> between those floors, outside of the wall, you have this thing called Todash space, which is this place outside of creation where the things that do not fit within creation, these beasts of the prim or the great ones dwell. So by going Todash, it lets you travel far distances and across dimensions. Sometimes it happens um, unintentionally as well. Uh, but it's dangerous because the darkness encroaches and, you know, these monsters, the ones, you know, from the mist will start seeking you out when you yes. are there and outside of the protection of the tower. Um, yeah. yeah. It's extremely, extremely from, from beyond or Hound of Tenaldos kind of thing. Yes. Like hunt you down. And that gives, you know, that makes sense for this because that's, that seems, you know, that's more or less what seems to have happened, you know, mm-hmm. is, is that this, uh, this mist, this thing he came through and these outsider creatures, you know, these things from Todash space make their way in yes you know these things these things feel like outsiders especially later like you know they start out in smaller scale but again that's that's very from beyond like <laughs> you know these little bat creatures and insect creatures moving on to these uh you know abominations yeah i love yeah. the implied ecology between them yeah yeah they interact <laughs> in a way that's really great yeah 
Yeah. Um, and so Todash and Thinny's end up being incredibly important for uh, books. Let's see here. Four, five, and six. Not so much seven. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, it's there. Um, additionally, uh, Roland ends up going to the town of Bridgeton, Maine, I think in book seven. Um, and even uh, there's a shootout in the pharmacy uh, that we see here in a different version of that pharmacy, I should mm-hmm. say. So it is. It is not before this happened. It was. It's an, like an alternate universe version of the the pharmacy. Yes. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about this thing. Let's go through this uh, cool and compact story. Yeah. Um. I love the way the chapters are titled in the book, um, <laughs> because it is like him outlining it. You know, he's writing this for other people to kind of do an account of this outlandish thing that happened, mm-hmm. and it's like he's outlining it for himself. Yes. You know, so it ends up uh, kind of, you know, does what an outline does. It prepares the reader Mm -hmm. uh, for it as well. And we start out with the coming of the storm. Yeah, yeah. Where we're introduced to uh, some of the main players, right? We have David, um, who's this artist. We have Stephanie, his wife, um, and his son, Billy. Uh, I I love Billy. It's really sad Mm -hmm. to see what he goes through in this. Yeah, Big Bill. Yeah, Yeah. Big Bill. uh, Right at 100 times, you know, like a student being punished, right? Um, (laughs) And then also... Our good friend, the son of a bitch, Brent Norton. Yes. Uh, and it's introducing, the, it feels like to me the important part of this is, other than just introducing that family dynamic, is introducing, uh, and this is probably something that if you read a lot of Stephen King's work you're already familiar with, but it definitely seems like something that is not part of my daily life, is that this like very New England, uh, us and them mm-hmm. kind of kind of setup. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, multiple times he references, not just in, in terms of Brent Norton, but in terms of other people like outsider summers, mm-hmm. you know, people who, who are just here a little while. And Brent Norton is that he's an outsider who is not not a local. Yeah. You know, yeah. and is, is big city ways. You know, there's a little like big, you know, country mouse, city mouse stuff going on with this dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a he's a big city lawyer from Manhattan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, now, we, now I'm a big city lawyer and I'm here to say <laughs> that well, this is just a fake, a false. We got to get out of here. <laughs> um, Oh man, no, no self-respect to Manhattan. I would use pff, non-instant grits. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, they're, they're they're setting up their dynamic and essentially uh, their history. Where at some point there was a property dispute uh, that David won. Yes, um, and Brent is convinced that uh, the only reason why he won is because you small-town fuckers uh, <laughs> stick together. You hillbilly, your hillbilly code. Yeah, um, I cannot get through it. No but this code. Um, they have a. Uh, they they're kind of hanging out and they start getting this uh these signs of the storm. Right, right. Like they see a water spout moving along the lake that they live, that they live by. Yeah. Um in a house that should not be like the like there's a reason that houses were not built on this side of the lake because the wind comes and picks it up. Um and so they go in, you know, like they they have been outside because of this terrible heat wave, but this is the storm that kind of set things, you know, sets things off, right? As, you know, it comes in and just wrecks up the entire town. You know, David's favorite mm-hmm. tree is falling through the living room window. Um, and he kind of has this premonition dream about God trampling through Bridgeton and leaving smoke behind him. Yes. Yeah. He he, he does have some on the nose dreams. Yes. <laughs> the, um, is it me? I'm sure you guys have talked about this a lot. Um, and, and I'm not turning this and going to turn this into a parody thing. Um, I didn't I don't like how he portrays his wife in this. Is that like a, a standing thing? Like, I think that he makes her seem like naggy and dumb at points and I didn't like it. Mm, I didn't like, pick I didn't pick that up. Um this Yeah, so sometimes it's a little rough. 
like he, it's it's not it's not beyond the pale, right? Like he's right. not like you know that dumb you know the dumb dumb idiot was real worried about her couch. Yeah. But the way he like the way he chooses to have like her concerns come through as like always being kind of trivial and material and everything. I I just had this feeling of like being a little bit off put by it. Yeah. You know, um, and then later like you know, and because I'd only read the or seen the movie, I hadn't read it, and then later like he cheats on her. It's a, it's a you know, expression of fear of death, number 43, lowercase b or whatever, <laughs> um, you know, like getting getting horny because it's the end. You know, you may not be able to get a chance to do it again. Right. Um, right. You know, so it just it was a little bit like his relationship to his wife, like felt a little weird to me yeah. in this. Like there's some stuff that's very good with it, but it's all physical. Like the way that she talks is like, I don't know. There, there's like yeah. a there's there's a weird element to it to me. Yeah. I can't go to bat for every depiction of women that Stephen King has done because God knows he has problems with that. Um, mm-hmm. What I will say is he generally has gotten better about it. Um, again, this is this, this is very, very early on. There's an arc over his career where you can tell where you can separate like, oh, this was a young man who really didn't have anything <laughs> writing about mm. the stuff as opposed to writing with the weight of experience or with a certain amount of care that comes from a more mature perspective as a writer who has a wife who has children. So like those, right. de- those depictions generally get much, much better reading this. That didn't really stick. That didn't really stick out. I generally thought they had a pretty, a pretty solid loving relationship between, you know, between them. It's yeah, it's, it's not, it's not beyond the pale or anything. Yeah. It's just kind of like it, it, like her being portrayed as kind of like a, you know, real concerned with the furniture felt very like mm-hmm. felt super two two dimensional to me. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, in a weird way. Like, and that's that's the detail I remember, but I got the impression yeah. in in more ways yeah. uh, than that. But I can definitely see it if it's something where it's like you don't. Uh, I'm I'm writing a husband wife, and it's important to the plot that he really love his wife. Mm-hmm. It's not important that she be a character because she's not like she disappears in the the book. The, she's not part of the story, really. Right. Right. You know, she she's she ends up being a factor. She's like a motivation, but she's not a player. Right. Right. You know, um, um, so it ends up making a kind of sense. But it's just something I noticed in these opening chapters, not so much the coming of the storm one, but in the next chapter. Yeah, I, I do like the way that pays off, though, because he's like, oh, come on, it's all insured. And he's like, but still, it's going to suck. And then it turns out that he comes around to her point of view. Like, actually, yeah, it doesn't matter if it's insured because yeah. of, you know, X, Y or Z. Uh, and it's hilarious that that comes that comes home to him when he realizes that Norton's Thunderbird has been crushed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. Uh, what was that insured? Oh, yeah. It's insured just like your boathouse was. Fuck. No, well, well, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, so this, the, so the there, bonding a, a little bit is nice. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So So there's a little bit of him kind of coming around on it. Um, and it's written from his perspective. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. So in the aftermath, Billy's all excited about this. Like a little kid would be, you know, really energized by the apocalypse. Right. Um, mm. You know, going crazy about the boathouse. Loves carrying notes back and forth between his mom and his dad, bringing his dad beer, stealing sips. Um, yeah. All of that. <laughs> yep. And his, his son, I, I like that he, uh, I do like the relationship between him and his son quite a bit. Yes. Like that is that is that's that's real well developed, and I like his son being, uh, you know, there's 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 a refreshing lack of like macho bullshit mm-hmm. uh, between him and his son, right? You know, like this is a little boy, mm-hmm. you know, like he can he can be kind of like terrified and scared, and like you know, the dad kisses him a lot, yeah. And I'm like, you know, you don't really see people write about stuff like that. Like generally, father son relationships uh, are written much more brusquely, yes. 
than that. I really yeah. like that detail. Yeah, like he, he he's pretty much always carrying Bill. He's always yeah. you know he's always you know making sure that Bill is you know seen to. At no point does he say like, "Hey, toughen up." Yeah, exactly. It's it's this is you know it carries the sense of stakes that at no point does he act like things are normal. Mm-hmm. You know, people around him do. Right. For various reasons, but he's the one sane person who's like <laughs> reacting appropriately to any of this. Right. Right. You know, um, but yeah, um, you know, so as he's surveying this destruction, David starts thinking of Mrs. Carmody, this uh, eccentric antiques dealer uh, who his wife really seems to like. You know, she's got all of these, you know, folklore remedies and it's kind of always speaking doom right she's a doomsayer talking about the blizzard of 88 they bring up this um event that happened a couple years ago this black spring uh where in the middle of the spring the lake the lake froze over with this black ice and nobody really seemed to be able to uh to find a a a real explanation for this um i love the beat later on where he's talking about um uh his uh his buddy uh who says like oh it's because of the arrowhead project over there in shaymore where they're shooting mm-hmm. atoms into the air. Well, the air is full of atoms. Well, these are different atoms. Yeah, these are different <laughs> kinds of atoms. And that's in response to Billy. Yeah. Billy, Billy corrects them, which I love, like, kids using grade school science to correct adults. Yep. Um, and it's like, no, these are, these are different atoms. That, that's heavily implied to be what's going on. Right, right. Uh, here, explicitly in the movie, heavily implied in the book. Yes. Um, I mean, like, very heavily. Like, there's not really a doubt. No, one one no. of the things where I've seen, like, where people have written essays comparing the two, um, Tasha Robinson, who's story for the AV Club, wrote one. And she was like, I'm you know, disappointed that the movie spells out what caused the incident. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, how do you not how do you not feel like the book does? Oh, it's like, so no, apparent. nobody says it. But yeah. it's uh, yeah, it is. You know, it, it, there's no doubt. It is, you know, it is like the likeliest no of things. Right. Yes. And if it's not, it's so weird that they constantly are talking about this, like, <laughs> like this project that has nothing to do with it. It's like <laughs> right. No, everyone's yeah. just talking about it. just a catchy set of syllables it has nothing to do with it <laughs> you know like, it's the dance sensation that's sweeping this town yeah, everyone's doing the funky arrowhead <laughs> um so it's it's a uh, that's you know that's definitely what's going on and there this is does not feel like ham-handed foreshadowing to me no like no. it's you know it's slice of life stuff there's a there's a couple things where he's just like for no reason i thought about this uh, uh you know but that doesn't ring as false because it's like it's literally a running log of everything he talked about mm-hmm. and the fact that he's writing it in, in retrospect. Right. So it's like the fact that he's writing about this after all of it happened, <laughs> it's more like him just being like, yeah, you know what? Like that was a little bit weird. That maybe was on my mind. There's a little bit of like unreliable memory uh-huh. stuff to my mind. Yeah. That is more responsible for him foreshadowing everything that's going to come up. Yeah. Than just, than just straight up foreshadowing. Yeah. It, um, the first time I read this, I was put off by the foreshadowing, but you've, you've hit on something exactly right. Uh, you know, yeah. like the unreliable memory, the framing things up as a story as opposed to a string of just events is a thing of journaling, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, it, it it makes sense for him to, since this is written on hotel stationery uh, afterwards, uh, stationery, like like that, that this, would, this would be how I would articulate. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So we find out, you know, that this tree fell over in the storm, it crushed his boathouse, which we mentioned. Um, and as he's kind of checking this out, he sees this mist over the lake. Um, and it has this strange right angle. It is like, there is just bam wall of mist yeah, and then clarity. Yeah. And it's moving Other... against the wind as well. Yeah. 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 Super yeah. spooky. Man is the inventor of straight edges. Yeah. This is, this is not natural. Yeah. But sure. he writes it off like, huh? Well, I've, this is a town full of strange stuff. Uh, why don't or I just go... like there, there's been weather, there's been mist off the lake you know, even yeah. he brings it up with his family and they're like, you know, there's been mist off the lake before, yeah, yeah. you know, and he's like, this is different. And it's like, well, you know, doesn't seem that different. 
Where's the rainbow, Gary? Gary, where's the <laughs> rainbow? <laughs> if this story had been called the rainbow and is about these monsters coming out of a rainbow, I would also a read a very it. different story. Like, <laughs> like I'd be down with that. Like, yeah. just like different kinds of rainbows. Oh, there, there are colors we we were not meant to see uh, R- at Roy the end G. of the rainbow. Bivka-dugga. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like just remember, Roy G. Big Digga Digga. Um, yeah. Um, he hears his neighbor. He hears Norton. Um, cursing over his uh his chainsaw trying to get it to start um this is hilarious in the movie it's all it's it's kind of uh it's kind of menacing in the book uh because mm. a, a seemingly unstable person with a chainsaw without the context of like oh he's just this big goofy guy um it it, it reads a little bit like hmm what's what, what's going on here but he goes over to get the insurance information and they you know again commiserate over the t-bird uh being crushed yeah like that's a big enough deal that even you know, like, even oh, though I hate this fuck, guy, I don't I'm want to so- have him. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm sorry, man. I really mean it. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah, that's good. That's gotta suck. Um, you know, and, uh, they're, they're going to head into town Yeah. at this point. They're going to market. Um, you know, and he's like, you know, do you, and Norton's like, do you mind if I, if I come along? I, I need beer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this, this, I had a rough thing. So they're doing this trip. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna get ready to take this trip. The three of them. Yeah, so they load up Billy into the car. Um, Norton stops to ogle uh, to ogle Stephanie, uh, mm-hmm. and, they, and they they get on down the way. Mm-hmm. And this is the last time that David has seen his wife. Yeah, yeah, he mentions that uh, explicitly. He sees her one more time in in the uh, ending of the movie, which we'll have to talk about. Yes, uh, when we get there. But for here, it is the last time. Yes. Um, and they get to the the grocery store. They see you know cars parked outside. There's a little bit of like blocking information that seems extraneous at first, and then mm-hmm. actually comes up. Yeah. Uh, a little bit later. And the, uh, you know, we, she, Mrs. Carmody's, uh, out there, um, and she's in front of the store. She has this flashy yellow pantsuit on the queen in um, yellow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Nobody can use the phone. The phones are out and we're introduced to this, uh, the people who run the store, uh, Bud Brown, who is the manager, who, uh, is this real tight ass. He's, he's the, tra- uh, he's, uh, calls him the Charles de Gaulle of, uh, running a supermarket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then Ollie Weeks, who is like a bag boy. Uh-huh. Um, who is really solid and played by like a 70 year old man in the movie. <laughs> Not quite, but he's played by what's that guy's name? Um, he's Oh like gosh. He's a, he's, a, he's a notable character actor. He's in a bunch of uh, Darabont stuff. I can pull this up. Yeah. I can do he's this. A, Don't worry. I, I think he turned like he's in, Um, he's, he's Armin Zola yep. in uh, Captain America too. Uh-huh. And he plays a bag boy. It's like, very, like yeah. oh, buddy. he's, he's like, supposed to be Shawshank or... <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is where books went. Uh, I need yeah. to actually go and immediately watch that movie to see if he went to Bridgeton <laughs> or if that was Castle Rock. Um, yeah, it's Toby Jones, a uh, noted yeah. character actor. I think I don't think he's a bag boy. I think that he's the assistant manager, hmm. actually. Is uh, he a bag boy in the book? Then where did I get bag boy from? I, I don't know. He was standing by the checkout in the, in okay. the, in the movie and also in the in, in, in the book. But I think he is explicitly an assistant manager because he's like the only person who can. Who can go to Bud and say, you know, fuck you. <laughs> I, I pictured him as young in the book and, you know, and he was not in the movie. Like I thought of him as a younger guy and maybe yeah. it was a misconception I got. And it made yeah, it yeah. him kind of getting it and like, hey, these rules are no longer apply mm-hmm. uh, when Bud Brown didn't get it. It like made it a little bit better. Yeah. You yeah. know, this young guy being like, yeah. come on, dad. Yeah. You in, know, in the book, he's described as being like real heavy um, and being real shy, like turned inward. Like David says, oh, I get the sense that he's you know, afraid of women. Right. Mm-hmm. Just like not really <laughs> doesn't really have his stuff together. But like I love Ollie's story and the way that he's presented in this because his reaction to fear is to become the best version of himself. Mm-hmm. You know, like he rises to the occasion in a way that kind of only David does. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he he is the other voice of reason in this. 
Yes. Yeah. He, he gets a couple, you know, a couple of people who, who join up and are also kind of co-heroes mm-hmm. uh, in this. Yeah. yeah. So, so the, the coming of the mist chapter uh, three. <laughs> yeah. It's a very brief chapter because as Billy is pointing out the fact that there's some army guys here on uh, the story, they hear this terrible shrieking, this police siren, you know, fires off in the distance. Um, you know, some storm, some storm sirens, et cetera. And a man runs out of the encroaching fog that is rolling in from, you know, Kansas street, uh, saying something's in the fog, you know, something is in the fog. This is a guy who's played by the actor who played Dale, um, mm-hmm. on, uh, for, from the walking dead in the movie. An- a- another Frank Darabont, like, you know, cohort. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of guy. And, uh, he's got like a broken nose, mm-hmm. right. In the, in the, in the book, like he's, he's bleeding. Yes. He runs out of the fog. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, Mrs. Carmody immediately is just like, there's death out there. <laughs> um, one thing I'll say about the audiobook version of this is that, uh, his voice for Mrs. Carmody is so over the top as to be distracting in the extreme. <laughs> uh, it's like, there's death out there. Like makes her like a real, like gravelly witch Yeah, in a way like that, that is, is, uh, incredibly intense. Yeah. Um, uh, and she like, she's only portrayed as the witch in the book. In the movie, she's played by, um, oh my gosh, uh, Marsha Harden from mm-hmm. uh, Miller's Crossing. You would recognize her. She's a little bit younger, but in the book, she is very much like a you know, if you're coming at this from the tower, she is very much like a like a Rhea of the Coast kind of a uh, kind of feel, or like a, like a Sylvia Pitson. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and and she's just she's very much like a literal witch. Yeah, um, and I think because I'd watched the movie first, it kind of influenced me more to think of her as like. No, just kind of a nut nutcase, you know, yeah. like a little bit more shrill, a little bit less like, <laughs> you know, a little less goblin weight <laughs> than he, he voices her. It's very funny. Yeah. Um, oh. But regardless of which, she's like, t- you know, leaping on this like she it's it's immediate right from the beginning that like she's opportunistic. Yeah. In the face of this tragedy, like it's really gross. Yeah, it's 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 pretty rough. What I love about her character is she doesn't change in any of this. Like she, she immediately, you know, she, she probably snapped 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. Based on something with her, she doesn't change. Everybody else comes around to her. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you people, know. people start and maybe it was during, you know, one of these other events too. Like yeah. She snapped like not the 1888 cause that's too long ago, but they, there's, <laughs> there's a couple it? of references. Ooh. Um, like re- well, it could be anytime, um, <laughs> references to these other kind of like bigger disasters or something like that. So who knows where she lost it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as this happens uh, and people start running out of the store because everything's gone crazy, uh, he sees something grab somebody and lift them upwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mist is such a good idea for this thing to kind of permeate everything because it's the same reason you shoot like horror at night. Yeah. You know, like uh, you don't have to see it clearly if you just see somebody's body and you can barely see it and then you just see it lift. Uh-huh. Like that's terrifying, you know, and 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 real good. Like your imagination is just going to fill all that in. Yeah, yeah, and also the mist uh, obscures sound in this as well. So they 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 never get a sense. I mean, until they're out of the building and like driving on the roads of exactly what scale these things are at. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would really like to. Uh, we told we told ourselves we wouldn't focus on the movie, but I think it's kind of impossible. This is one of the few Blu-rays I would be tempted to buy because I guess the preferred version of this is in black and white. Um, yeah. Darabont wanted to uh, present this entirely in black and white uh, kind of as an homage to um, Night of the Living Dead. And apparently yeah. that is like, that is what he considers canonical. I think that would actually really help the appearance of the monsters, which I think have not aged very well. It doesn't matter. So it's not a deal breaker, but like that would, that would kind of ease that a bit. I think so too. Yeah. 
So um, it's a yeah. real problem. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the, the, the people rushing out, um, including a woman who uh, needs to go uh, and be with her kids. Uh, this ends up being somebody who survives in the movie um, in that ending, which we have to talk, talk about. And we get yeah. into the next chapter, the storage area, problems with the generators and what happened to the bag boy. Yes. <laughs> um, so everyone's kind of like snapping into into roles here. Right. You know, trying to figure out like what to do. Like Norton is trying to keep people together. Yeah. Like he's he's logical. He's a big city. What does he know? He's a big city guy <laughs> yeah. trying trying to use his logic and lawyer and skills uh, <laughs> to keep everybody together. Right. And uh, the generators making weird noises. So, David, you know, same way you're a disaster, like everyone wants to be useful, mm -hmm. right? Like, this is the kind of thing I would do. Like, yeah, you know, I'm at the store. I'll go fix this because what else the fuck else am I going to do? Like, go boil some water. <laughs> right. You know, like you, you have to have something to do. Right. Uh, and he hears this like crazy sound outside the loading, loading door. Yeah. He he describes it later on. It's like a, it's like wind through the ivy. Yeah. Um, as yeah. somebody who has ivy right outside of his uh, bedroom window. Yep. <clears throat> <laughs> um but yeah like he hears it and he freaks out and he's like okay i need to go get some help and he brings kind of the worst people um yeah you know back to it <laughs> you know he's got ollie there who's like yeah the generator you know the power's out but you know the food will keep like it's it's fine it doesn't really matter um and these tough guys like these two mechanics and the bag boy they're like well fuck it let's go out let's clear that blockage on the vent let's do it yeah yeah <laughs> Grocery tufts. Um, and, and, you know, he's, he expresses a little bit of uh, trepidation about that. Um, and as they open the door to do so, a tentacle comes in and grabs the, the bag boy. Yep. <laughs> grabs the young kid uh, yep. and starts whipping him toward the door. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and they more, they go through, there's a very specific part uh, in here where it grabs a, a bag of dog food. Yes. Uh, at some point and crushes it. Mm -hmm. And I love that like detail because it's like the kind of thing you'd notice. And yeah. it's like, is it the most important thing happening right now? No. Nope. But you're you're gonna like focus in on those kind of details yeah. in a crisis. <laughs> I made a I made a particular note of one of the tentacles grabbing a two liter of Pepsi. What is delicious? Like it's <laughs> it's like, and monsters it's like, need refreshment, Cole. I suppose, it's, I suppose it's a little bit like if you're going to pick up a pizza and it's like, ah fuck it, I'll grab a two liter. It's fine. Yeah. 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 It's got kids to feed. <laughs> It's like a sweet, sweet Pepsi to feed it. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I, boy, I want to see this monster drink a Pepsi. <laughs> like, whatever this is attached to, like, very much so. Oh, man. And these, these tentacles have little mouths on the end of it. Like, it's yeah. it's eating him as it as it uh, constricts him, right? Drinking, like, a lot of little Pepsis. <laughs> like, what if that was the thing that happened in the, the movie when they left? Like, they drove through and it's playing that song and it drives through the back and it shows the, the monster just drinking Pepsi to the, like, <laughs> the, the taste of a new generation yes the new generation oh gosh um, so, so david's trying to help him right right trying to pull him in but it's it's futile you know i, I love this reaction because david has tried to warn them off saying like hey i heard something it's not a good idea to open that up i don't like i, I understand that you guys you see a problem and you need to fix it but this is a bad idea Norm's reaction is not to like say like help me you you idiot help me. It is yeah. like to apologize, but also to yeah. admonish Dave. Like I, you you did not express yourself clearly when you said you heard something. I thought you meant a bird. <laughs> yeah, or like you know you just didn't you didn't express like this is your fault, right? You know I'm sorry, but you fucked up, and it's right. like that's very natural. Yeah, you know uh, as he's getting dragged outside, <laughs> you know, um, and as it's happening, uh, the loading door closes and severs one of the tentacles. Right. 
Uh, and David just starts punching the the, the grocery tufts. Yeah, it start, like, starts unloading. Like, hey, yeah. you know, like you, you you almost fucking killed that kid. Yeah, you idiots. Right. Yeah. <sighs> and Ollie stops and saying, like, hey, Dave, they didn't twist Norm's arm. You have to remember that. Like yeah. he he wanted his own volition. You know. Yeah. So. <sighs> and neither of them want to really think about what those tentacles yeah, were what this attached means. to. There are tentacles in play. Yeah. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> so like, uh oh, t- oops, all tentacles. Yeah. Um. The, uh, so it moves on to the next chapter, um, an argument with Norton, a discussion near the boot beer cooler verification. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So Ollie at this point says like, hey, if, if if we actually saw that, we're fucked because the entire front of this store is glass. Yeah. You know, uh, going back like, to the exact inspiration of this, like yeah. Stephen King looking at the glass doors and the, the grocery store he's trapped in. Yeah. And then he also looked at it and said, okay, we're going to have to remember this later if we need to verify something on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which of, which of these is a shop front right there. Okay. We're good. <laughs> um, I also like the biddy who comes up and like, they've gotten into the beer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, but Brown's a real, yeah. A real wiener about that during this whole thing too yeah uh you know people drinking but it makes sense like yeah well and ollie's drinking too but he's sweating it out faster yeah. than he can get drunk ollie, ollie can't get drunk he's got a healing factor in this <laughs> right. uh, like it is uh it's it's called being fat and and i understand it's like a fat <laughs> a fat assistant manager uh, at times of my life um i can also not get drunk because i yeah sweat <laughs> so Norton refuses to believe what David is saying. David thinks that he has an ally in you know in, in Norton, but their old conflict is not as behind them as David had initially thought, right? Um, yeah. Norton is disagreeing, refusing to acknowledge this as if his sanity depends on it, is what, uh, yeah. what David observes. Yeah. It, it is it specifically, he's just like, yeah, you guys are trying to prank me. Right. <laughs> like, this isn't one of Ashram Ketchum's prompts. Like, <laughs> and, and the, uh, it's it's just crazy. Like, you know, David is just saying, like, no, like, what is more likely that I like, you know, during all of this, I had the foresight to bring a rubber tentacle that I'm going to bring, you know, and yeah. he, it's obvious that he doesn't actually believe it. He just, you know, yeah, he knows he's lying to himself. Right, right. You know, and he's just like, we don't have to. It's exactly like we don't have to actually argue about this. <laughs> right. You know, it's it's like he has a smartphone. Like, we can just look this up. Right. There's no reason to debate anything. We all have supercomputers in our pocket. Right. And that's what the tentacle in the back room is the equivalent of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, Norton you know, goes on a goes on a rant like, oh, we come here. We, you know, like we, 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 we pay property taxes. We make your economy. I could buy and sell you all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, yep, yep. so um, Ollie, <laughs> knowing that people are going to come over anyway, says like, hey, everybody needs to come here. What David has to say, um, you know, like. There's no sense. No, there's no sense in us hiding this. But Mrs. Carmody uses this as an opportunity to do more of her doomsaying. Um, yeah. As you know, David takes Bud Brown, the only person who will actually follow him back to see the tentacle, which makes him vomit. Yeah. And and Bud Brown is is given uh, Ali shit about drinking beer at this point too. I think this is where that threat happens. Yeah. Where yeah. he's like, I'm going to report you to corporate, and he's like, you know what? <laughs> if we get out of this, you can report me to corporate. Like, <laughs> you know, like. Uh, the, the two kinds of people in the mist are people who understand that they're fucked and people who don't. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and then with all of the authority of the supermarket manager, Bud comes out and says, people, it appears we have a problem of some magnitude here. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, great, great line, great understatement. <laughs> um, 
there. So uh, that moves into the next chapter. One of the things too, just and since we're kind of talking about differences with the movie as we go, mm-hmm. um, is that like Mrs. Uh, Carmody is is much more of like a a side kind of like a side character during the book. Mm-hmm. Um, like becomes kind of a threat quicker in the movie. Yeah. Um, and is much more like present in every scene and has more lines. Yeah. And everything in the book, like it is, she's kind of a nuisance until all of a sudden she's not. Mm-hmm. And that's not a, a criticism. Like it, it, it's insidious. Yes. You know, like people don't turn, to, people don't turn to her really gradually in the books. No. Uh, or in the book, people, uh, just kind of like, well, I'm all out of things to turn to, <laughs> you know, whereas it's much more kind of gradual. She like picks up followers slowly. Yeah. Uh, after every incident in the movie. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a different treatment uh, yeah. of them, you know, and she's also, she's got a, a much stronger religious angle uh, in the movie. When the movie came out, actually some people like protested it because <laughs> of her portrayal, which is to me is, you know, is pretty bonkers, a little bit, um, yeah. but, yeah. but people, you know, pro- protested her portrayal because she's much more explicitly like Christian doomsday, as opposed to old witch who like fought off Hansel and Gretel doomsday, right. like she is in the, the book. Yeah. Um, you know, they take some of the stuff from the, the next to last chapter in this, you know, her lines about expiation, um, and sprinkle that throughout the entire movie as yeah. it goes, you know, people are watching her as a curiosity at the start, but like, like you said, each scene kind of has her with, you know, a couple more people in her, in yeah. her thrall, you know, yep. until they are like explicitly worshiping alongside of her here. Yes. Here it is described like she never stops talking. Um, yeah. you know, they, they, they say like, Oh, like she's like Castro, she's filibustering. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's not paid as much attention to right as it is in the movie. So it's an interesting kind of difference. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the way they kind of take care of those things. Yeah. For the person who ends up being like the villain of the book, right. Yes. Or of the, of yeah. the story. Yeah. 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 So speaking of her, people start breaking out into factions. You know, she only has the, you know, the herself at this point, but she is trying to curry favor um, you know, David says something like, oh, you're, you're going to see the, the, you know, the same thing in any New England town meeting, which again is one of those slice of life details. Obviously people are going to break down like this. Uh, Norton <laughs> is leading the flat earthers, which is what David calls them. Uh, you know, who do not acknowledge that there are monsters outside who are trying to find a way to, you know, get out, um, and, you know, amass enough so they can go home. Right. Like get, or get help. Right. You know, they even say like, you know, we'll, we'll send help if like. For this disaster, this is a natural disaster, right? You know, um, and David's not having it. Like he's like, you know, where would he even go? Like, is the Eastern Seaboard gone? Like, is there a Portland, Maine? Like, is there, you know, any of these things? Like, do these things exist anymore? Yeah. Um, and the, another faction is Miss uh, Miss Carmody uh, mm-hmm. is you know kind of on her own, like a faction of one at this point. Yeah. And people, you know, people are curious, like, hey, what are you proposing? And she's like, hey, you have to get ready to meet God. Uh, and it's like, well, that, that's pretty fucked up. And she's like, yeah, and we need a blood sacrifice. And it's like, well, you're OK. You, you, you had me at the first part. All right. You know, uh, the, the, that particular lot's not moving right now. Let's come back in yeah. a day. Let's uh, I'll yeah. come back and see if that's uh, that's we'll, going we'll to a back. discount. Yeah. Yeah. We'll circle back on your your blood sacrifice lady. <laughs> um, and then again, in that like go boil water, which is like one of the, my my favorite things that pops up in this is like. You know, they're like, hey, what if we put uh, some of these uh, like soil in front of the windows? Yeah. And it's like they know that's not, you know, they saw the tentacle. They even say like, you know, I saw it crush this this bag of dog food. Like this window is not going to stop it. The soil is not going to stop it. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it's attached to. But like it's just going to make people feel better. Right. Right. You know, like it's uh, an illusion of security and an illusion of purpose mm-hmm. are the two things that these people need. Yeah. 
So they, yeah. you know, use the bags of dog food and the and, and the plant food um, as kind of sandbags at the front and you know, just shore up this glass window. Uh, and they, they leave loopholes and set watches, you know, to 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 make, to make sure nothing big is coming, as if they would be able to do anything about it. Like they even set aside like brooms and torches or brooms and mops uh, to use as torches with uh, with lighter fluid. Yeah. So um, they ask if anybody has a gun. Uh, somebody says they have a gun out in their car and he's like, do you want me to go get it? And he's like, no. And he's like, OK, I just thought I'd ask. Thanks. Like, <laughs> yep. you know, I didn't want to, but you know, I, I would have. Uh, but, but a woman named Amanda has a revolver in her purse, which her husband uh, gave her. Right. Uh, and there's a little bit of back and forth about like, you know, if you were going to be gone for, you know, because he's gone on business. Right. All the time. Like if you were going to have a wife like that, you wouldn't want to be gone on business all the time. Right. Yeah, so Ollie is the one who picks that up and says, hey, I can shoot this. I've won contests and things like that. So, okay, the gun has a capable capable user here. Mm -hmm. um, and David even knows, like, <laughs> like, upon seeing this, is like, oh, the sensation I get uh, is seeing a totally unsuspected Ollie Weeks, right? Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, Billy is not doing too great in this, as you would expect uh, a five-year-old to, you know, to do. Uh, he is kind of regressing. You know, he misses his mom. Uh, he, he heartbreakingly apologizes to David for all the times he wasn't good to his mom. Yeah. 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 Um, which is, which is pretty hard, you know, pretty rough. Yeah. Well, Norton uh, and the flat, flat earthers, they make a big stink about like, Hey, we're going to leave. If you, if you want to come with us, come with us. Yeah. You know, uh, they, they go out and he says like, Hey, like at least let me, uh, tie this, this clothesline to you, <laughs> you know, cause I want to see how far you can get out, you know? Uh, there and like this, this makes a dramatic thing that happens. I still don't. I'm not totally clear on the motivation or like why it helps to have this clothesline. Mm -hmm. He doesn't sell it very well. He's yeah. like, oh, this is a hundred yards of clothesline. So if you make if it runs taut, I'll know the hundred yards is safe, right? Or something like that. Like it's a little like what ends up paying off from it is cool, uh -huh. but the setup it, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, to it me. is it is done specifically to get that payoff of yeah. you know they that they get out the line of slack 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 and then immediately starts pulling tight. Yeah. Um, no. And then ultimately, I start asking my friends when they leave if I can like <laughs> tie clotheslines to them, just to see. Yeah, just you know, just to it's see like, if they like would a say yes. Product. Yeah, like, it's like a, you just want to see how many questions <laughs> they would ask. Yeah, <laughs> just like I just okay, you can go, but let me do this. <laughs> you know, let me have this one thing. Right. <laughs> um, but the big thing is it, it, it reels out taut and then comes back, you know, bloody, like you said. Right. Right. Um, as opposed to in the movie where it comes back with somebody's entire, uh, let's say pelvis and legs. Like yeah. The, <laughs> somebody like bit the top half off of them. Like it was a Kit Kat bar. Yeah. yeah. So, so they're, everyone's unnerved. Yeah. You know, that's it's pretty, pretty fucked up. Um, they go into the first night, uh, which is this chapter and the person who's on watch, like nobody's really sleeping. No. Um, the person who's on watch starts freaking out because this like fly thing has landed on the glass. Ugh, it's described as really fleshy too. Yeah. Um, which I do not want my flying creatures to be. It's fleshy. It's got all these proboscis stingers yeah. or sexual organs. Um, it looks like a, like a minor creature in a Bosch painting is what, uh, is, is, is what David says. Um, yeah. and you know, David concludes like, okay, well we can only see out the loopholes. Uh, we have to assume that they are just, um, swarming over the entire building, like just yeah. clinging to it. Like, uh, you know, like. I don't know, like the you ever see that animated gift for that video of the wall of daddy long legs? Uh yeah. 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 Like especially, especially in the building breathing with these. And I'm not uh, th this is a pretty upsetting chapter to me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like bugs in general. Um, specifically insects, uh kind well, of things or bees. Is, yeah, this is this is a cool chapter because like both uh and I, I you know, I keep you know, I we keep bringing up the movie because it's like the comparisons are interesting. Yeah. Um both 
articulations of it are interesting. Yes. Like the, the it's a, it's a way bigger disaster in the movie. Yes. Like it is much more chaotic and fucks everything up. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, but here it's like, they do a much better job of like kind of the creeping terror of this. Like when the actual thing kind of swoops in. So after they're looking at this bug, a bird like this, like, you know, silent Hill ass pterodactyl, mm-hmm. uh, comes down and grabs one of the flies and ends up crashing through the window. Yeah. Um, so. and everyone <laughs> freaks out. So, um, so that's the ecology um the um the the bugs were attracted to the light the birds were attracted to the bugs they were just following their food source and then the bigger stuff is attracted to the smell yeah yeah yep, yep. um so they uh david ends up setting the bird thing on fire with this uh this mop torch yeah which seems very hard to control <laughs> yeah yeah that, that's uh and it and it is in the, again in the movie like they, it's very difficult to do that yeah like, it's like set, it's setting whole whole shelves on fire yeah it's it's starting fires he can't get lit he ends up just stabbing it you right. know it's like it's it's very difficult they are much less uh equipped yeah it's whereas much here more... it's like this raid thing i have real mixed feelings on it's it's a little it, it, it's a dumb comedy beat in the middle of this horror story <laughs> yeah like, like this this character this old woman who 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 kills the the the, the smaller bug that gets in uh with raid um she ends up becoming like the bug spray lady like she also does something very similar when they make the excursion to the to to the pharmacy it feels like something in it where it only works because she believes it's going to work yeah like this is acid (laughs) right this is battery acid like i think in the movie if i recall and it's they're both blending together a whole lot but i think she uses a spray thing and then makes a torch which is more reasonable that makes way more sense yeah. than like these things being vulnerable to raid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I'm sure raid's not good for anything, but like right. it is working. Cause it's a bug is very weird. And it's like, it's such a goofy comedy thing. Like mm-hmm. her, like kind of handling them like a gunslinger, or, like their guns or like she's in the old West. Yeah. Is a real cute, like rapping granny kind of thing. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, like, man, grandma's badass. <laughs> you know, like you get that kind of sense. Like, yeah. you know, Polly Shore is going to look to the camera after this and be like, damn grandma. And then it's going to, you know, cut to bust a move or whatever else is in the trailer. Like, <laughs> Oh, I feel good. <laughs> just, yeah. You know? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't like Mrs. Rappler. Um, it, yeah. it is a rare misstep in this book. Yeah. So it's, it's a little funny because it's, it's hard to say. It just, it, it feels out of place right here. Like there would have been times in this story for, 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 for comedy during mm-hmm. this, you know, what's that? Yeah. Well, all those scenes with Mrs. Comedy. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, right. Yeah. No, I, I got gotcha. you. I mean, it wasn't real good. It's just the way it kind of sounds. Kind of sounds yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. So. Yeah, it, 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 I, I got gotcha. you. It took me a little bit longer than I would have expected it to, but uh, oh. I got gotcha. you. Um, all right. <laughs> but yeah, there, there would have been a, a, a place for them to do that uh, during this incredibly tense scene. Eh, eh, it's better in yeah. the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, but it's still cool. The beginning of it, I think is better in the books. The scene mm-hmm. itself is better in the movie. Yes. I think. Yeah. Um, so David tries to sleep after this. Um, and he was kind of plagued by you know, these dreams about bird, you know, these, the, the bird creatures eating his family, um, you know, in front of the broken window. Uh, and also he hears project arrowhead over and over again, which very on the nose dreams. Yes. It's got to touch the shine to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so and people are eating too. They're like barbecuing chicken and stuff. Like, you know, they have to feed everybody. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they've stolen all the sleeping pills. Right. You know, so he offers them like a couple bottles. Like, <laughs> people are people are going bonkers on this shit. Yeah, which yeah. T- turns bad because when you have people in a disaster with access to sleeping pills, yes, yeah, not great. 
Um, so David starts eyeing Amanda. You know, he gets the uh, the, the apocalypse hornies. Um, yes. And he has this kind of small moment of reflection, you know, and this makes more sense later on when you realize that this is being written after the fact than it does in the moment where he's kind of thinking back to his life and doing the summarizing, you know, about his own his own career as this middling commercial artist who's kind of living in his father's shadow. Yeah. Which feels very much like King talking about being a popular writer. Yeah, th this felt very author insert yeah. to me, um, that little specific thing. Yeah. Um, after he kind of like, you know, woes me a little bit about, about this, um, he tries to reassure Billy, you know, and Billy's like, no, things aren't going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Are you, have you been paying attention? If you think this has an happy ending, you have not been paying attention. <laughs> right. um, and that cuts over uh, to uh, the next chapter. What happened with the soldiers with Amanda, a conversation with Dan Miller. <laughs> so a conversation yep. with Dan Miller sounds like the most boring interview. It could be a conversation with Dennis Miller. Like it could be way worse. Oh, okay. So yeah. The, uh, I said boring, not, not, not yeah, objectionable. Yeah, not, not like skin crawlingly awful. Ugh. Yeah. Not racist. <laughs> Um, is he, I assume he's racist. I, I, I lump him in with Bill Maher. I think he's had some like mild, like he, he's one of those comedians who went crazy after nine 11. So even yeah. if he is not explicitly racist, he is a conservative comedian who has also got this huge Islamophobic streak. Yes. I, I knew that there was some Islamophobia yeah. stuff going on with that, bro. But, you know, square, squares and Ramesses. You know, one is, yeah. a, is a subset of the other, but that is that is all that I can attest to because I stopped paying attention to him. Yeah. Which is yeah, which is the wise thing. Yeah. Don't pay attention to David Dennis Miller. There's a reason why nobody hugged him at the end of Saturday Night Live episodes. <laughs> <laughs> is that true? Is that is that in some of the books? No, no, I don't. I don't think that's in a book. I've noticed it before when I've watched it uh -huh. where he, he always kind of stands off to the side. Yeah. Uh, by himself while everyone is hugging you know you two whatever so <laughs> that's weird how they flew you two in every single yeah. saturday <laughs> exactly. are you just focused? no we're just here for hugging living on the edge <laughs> um yeah uh, anyway yeah um so, yeah ollie calls david back into the storeroom saying hey we've got a problem um and david you know kind of can't believe his eyes at first here looking and seeing uh two of the soldiers from the nearby base you know these just kids have uh hung themselves Right. Yes. Okay, from the base where the Arrowhead uh, project was at, not there, wanting there's, to good. I was gonna, well, there's a surprising amount of the logistics of how they hang themselves. There is because they they, they, they it's David trying to figure out if somebody killed them, like if somebody yeah. helped them and didn't uh, and and you know and and hid the fact, right? Yeah. And it's this whole thing about because they tied their hands behind their back as well, right? Uh, and the idea, idea, I think, to like so they can't reach up and cut themselves free or whatever, right? Um, so it's like this thing where they have to stand back to back, tie each other's hands and then like time it out perfectly. They kind of like recreate the scene. Yeah. And it's a very detailed, like double suicide. Yeah. Um, if the ice hadn't melted long ago, they would have, um, just been patient and used that old trick. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where they yeah. stood on the a puddle. Yeah. And then there's just a puddle and there's a fox yeah. with and, some corn and all the doors face North. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this soldier's my son. Um, <laughs> I can't hang him. <laughs> so, uh, so they hide the bodies under some dog food because they don't want people uh, freaking out. You know that there's yeah. been a death inside, but like we find out later, you know people are killing themselves. Um, so that is a rough thing. And I, I love that bit of of like problem solving. Like we can't let this get out. Right. Because this is going to give people ideas and it's like, 
we have to hide this. And that's very good instincts. Right. So again, like just like disaster, Ollie, Ollie on the spot with the good disaster instincts. Yeah. Like hiding, hiding them under the dog food because nobody's going to want the dog food. Right. Yeah. They're, they're not going to go poking around that. Not yet. Yeah. Um, and Ollie, you know, mentions this rumor that he's heard, you know, he's been working at the registers about um, the experiments of opening doors to new, new dimensions um, up there. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a, there, there's a goal here. The area is kind of lengthy, but it bears, it bears having here. I sometimes do this, Gary. Um, oh, it's okay. <laughs> no, you don't have to. It's your show, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, children see everything. Uh, their eyes happen upon, hear everything, and their ears range. But if life is the rise of consciousness, then it is also the reduction of input. Terror is the widening of perspective and perception. The horror I was, uh, the horror was in knowing I was swimming down to a place most of us leave when we get out of diapers and into training pants. When rationality breaks down, the circuits of the human brain can overload. Accents grow bright and feverish. Hallucinations turn real. The quicksilver puddle at the point where perspective makes parallel lines seemed parallel lines seem to interact is really there. The dead walk and talk. A rose begins to sing. Yeah. Um, that last part, a rose begins to sing, like that is an image that is essential to the Dark Tower. Hmm. No. It's something it, he's it had is... in his back pocket for a while. Very much the uh, you know the blessing is the the mind's inability to correlate all its contents. Yes, uh, thing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so then they bang. Um, he, <laughs> oh, Amanda wait, and Ollie? And says, "Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> Good for them. <laughs> it's, it's it is a really weird book. Like at this point, because at no point was there a hint. But he's just so fucking capable <laughs> and fucking capable. <laughs> so he's, capable he's, of fucking. Yeah. Um. No. Amanda comes up and is like, hey. There's an office up here. It's got a lock. Uh, and then they bang down yeah. and like she calls out her husband's name. Yeah. Uh, like she's, she's, she specifically says like, hey, I saw the way you were looking at me. Like this may be the last chance that we have. Let's do it right. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. They, they, I, uh, they are both they, they are both complicit in an act of adultery, but they have no way of knowing. Um, and it's actually very uh, unlikely um, that they that their uh, um, partners are still alive. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not like a big, a big moral deal. I think I still like, um, as much as, much as this does like cross off a, a apocalypse, mm -hmm. apocalypse reaction. I still think I like the, the movie better where they're just kind of buddies. Yeah. It simplifies you know, as it, a, right? It simplifies it. And then just like the, you know, it's, it's just generally less horny mm -hmm. in the face of this. Like there's, there's a lot of people like, like the getting horny when you think you're going to die thing. Maybe I just haven't experienced it, mm -hmm. you know, but it's, it's a weird trope that I don't, I don't even know if I believe it. Never gotten you a know? fear boner, Butterfield. <laughs> Never gotten a fear boner, man. Huh. You got a fear boner? Like, do you get what? Where's a what? What is no, giving you a fear no, boner? No, no I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> it just seemed like a fun thing to say. Yeah, I mean, like it's got to be a terror boner. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I I can understand it conceptually. I also could think like, oh, like, you know, there's tons of people around, and uh, I, none of us have like. You know, we are all worried about imminent death. Right. You know, how can I t divert my attention? Like, I couldn't wear headphones in this situation, let alone, like, go down. <laughs> right. You know, like, <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, 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 don't, I don't know. It, it, is yeah. Mer it's, it is mercifully short. Yeah, it, 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 is, not, it is not it. dwelled on. Uh, and it it's, is, not, it's not supposed to be titillating either. It's right. Just, it's, it's quick. It is it, yeah. it, it it is short and sweet and seems like a almost like a necessary function as opposed to you know something that is uh you know yeah tangled up get, right. get the plug up um 
And then, so the the next day, so it's daytime after they have sex, and the bugs have died down. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, Miller calls into question just how big these monsters are. You know, talking about how, like, none of the cars were upset when all, when those people were taken away. Um, and, and, you know, he notices, like, hey, you know, some of us may have missed it. Uh, but during the fog, the entire building seemed to drop. Like, there is some kind of seismic activity. Activity Like, there, there's no way to know, like, if we're, if we're dealing with something that is, like, stories tall. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, and so... And, and just, like, the idea that these cars are maybe just getting sucked into the mist. Right. He says, like, you know, they, they didn't uh, they would have disturbed the cars like maybe they are just disappearing. Uh, that can happen to us as well. Right. Like, essentially, this is the beginning of a string of a conversation like we cannot stay here. Right. Yeah. Um, Miller is an advocate for at least making this kind of like test balloon expedition going over to the pharmacy uh, to see if there are survivors over there because they would not be they would not satisfy themselves like eating, you know, box crackers when they knew that there was a, you know, a grocery store full of fresh food just 20 yes. feet away. Yeah. Right. So, um, as they leave, um, under protest or as they're getting ready to leave, they notice that, uh, Mrs. Carmody has, uh, has two followers and this will, you know, start a snowball that ultimately gets our main party out of the, uh, out of the market. Uh, yeah. Billy doesn't want his dad to go to the pharmacy, but <laughs> But David says, oh, don't worry, kid. Uh, I will risk life and limb to bring you a comic book. Yeah, I'll get you some Spider-Mans. <laughs> um, so they they assemble some improvised weapons. Um, they get their group. You know, Miss Carmody is saying, don't go. Um, you know, and Amanda uh, throws a can of peas at her. You know, stop, strikes her on the breast. Right. Um, and says, like, I know you said, I know you boned down last night. Yeah. Her, you know, like. Her fuck sense is keen. Yeah. She, she, yep. She's, she's been sniffing every room, um, sniffing for clues. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, they get to the, uh, the pharmacy, uh, and the pharmacy, um, there's something in here where they, uh, I think it's in the book, not in the movie. They imply that like the air conditioning was out. So they prop the door open Yes, or something like that. Like that's, and then like, and, and as a result, uh-huh. like this is ter- terrifying. And this is, this is very good in both the book and movie Yeah, as a scene. This is great because it is like. It's, uh, you know, technically a success. Uh, they get out there, uh, you know, because one, one of the other ways, too, that they uh, justify this, it's a bigger deal in the movie, but was the guy who had his nose broke yes. was to get him some medicine as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, we, we're going to need access well, to medicine. And this is just a horror show. Yeah. Like, this well, is awful. Well, in the movie, it was somebody who got like these crazy chemical burns in the uh, in, in the fight, like in the, yeah. in the big bug fight or whatever it is here. Like, it is it is almost like a secondary concern. Like, oh, there was somebody who was trampled. Their leg is broken. We need to get them some uh, some painkillers. Yeah, it's, ju- it's a justification. For right. something they're going to do anyway. Right, right. Um, but yeah, like they, they get here and it's super unnerving in both of them. So David picks up a comic book. He gets both those, he gets both uh, Spider-Man and an Incredible Hulk jackpot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, both. In the uh, real quick trivia in the movie, um, they wanted to make it a Punisher comic because Thomas Jane, who plays the lead character, uh-huh. uh, was in the Punisher. But he uh, vetoed it because he had such a terrible time in that movie. Oh, yeah. So they ended up doing Hellboy because uh, he is friends with uh, uh, Mike Mignola. Oh, cool. Yeah, the, uh, the director of this. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but he gets this and he notices, hey, there's some like these, like, is this is somebody throwing a party in here? Is that crepe paper? Yeah. Huh, it's all like hung all over the place. Oh, it's like silver thread. It looks kind of like the color of the mist. I picked up a Spider Man comic. Spiders yes. <laughs> party. Spider party. Oh, no. We need to leave. It's, it's been a spider party in here. <laughs> we have to go. So the spiders are partying. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, they uh, 
the spiders like start shooting webs at them. These spiders attack. Yeah. And their webs are corrosive. Like they dig through and the, the work down here is really great. Like they're just showing it like digging through these people's like pants. Yeah. And through their socks, like digging into their skin. Yeah. Like it's one of them by, by, by severing his, uh, his femoral artery. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. is, is the thing. Um, like they, they describe it as like the sensation of like when fishing line gets pulled through your hand too quickly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, um, which I, which I can imagine even though I've never experienced. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like these are not just regular spiders that have been blown up to, you know, movie size. Um, they are bigger beasts that more closely resemble spiders. You know, again, the, there's an element of the indescribable here, uh, but I do like that they have yellow racing stripes. Yeah, they're party spiders. They've <laughs> so got they piping. Go, so they can go faster. They're uncanny X spiders. <laughs> um, so uh, and it takes out three of them. Like, it's a it's a big deal. Heavy losses for this. Yeah. Like, if this were this were a uh, this war of mine expedition, it would be a failure. Yeah, this would like, um, give us our new run. Yes. Um, Ollie ends up uh, shooting some of them uh, to save them. Of course, Mrs. Repler has the bug spray. Um, and, and probably my least favorite thing about this story. Um, now that I'm reading it, no, it's like, oh, they did do that twice, didn't they? <laughs> yep. like, well, she she sucks. she specifically was like gathering it up. Like she yeah. she wanted more of it. Yeah, I, I've got it, and she volunteers to go too. Uh huh. And just like I'm just not not here for like a a, a old person acting young. Uh huh. For for contrast's sake, like I'm just not here for it. Right. Uh, in general. So it's it's fine. Yeah. But, you know, they get back. Uh, and this is uh, so this the chapter, the spell of Mrs. Carmody, the second night in the market, the final confront confrontation. Yeah. Um, and things have deteriorated very quickly. in this. Oh, yeah. you know, she has amassed more followers. You know, first it's two, then it's four, then it's eight. And then it is it is enough to be um, to be worth worrying about. Right. Another another quote here. When the machines fail, when the technologies fail, when the conventional religious systems fail, people have got to have something. Even a zombie lurching through the night can seem pretty cheerful compared to the existential horror and comedy of the ozone layer dissolving under the combined assault of a million fluorocarbon spray cans of deodorant. Yeah, this is something King does. Like, it's weird that this came out concurrently with the stand, because that is also like one of the major morals of the stand is the idea of you know, what people turn to when everything um, goes away. Right. Yeah. Specifically yeah. with this kind of environmental uh, kind of bent to it. Yeah. You know, and explicitly like, you know, them, them going to this, somebody, we, we talk about this all the time on shows, like somebody promising like an easy religious answer that seems to work. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, it's worth just as we're, you know, we're bringing up movie differences as we go in the uh, movie, there's a little bit more kind of uh, holiness lent to mrs carmody because an ill uh, bug lands on her mm -hmm. and doesn't bite her because she prays yeah well in, um, the, in the movie she she specifically says like you know like as she is praying like my life for you yes um yeah. which it, i mean dude um that is from the stand actually like and also from the dark tower thank you for reminding me of that because i totally would have breezed past it um she mm -hmm. is she is pledging to whatever is the master of these things in the stand that might have been Randall Flagg, but he has always um, been the agent of the Crimson King, right? Mm. Um, and so, you know, like, the, and that is, you know, the Crimson King has dominion over the Toadash spaces. So, so yeah, like, that is, that, that is a good connection that I totally missed. She has put herself in the red by doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Pledged herself to, to Nyarlath the tap. Yep. Tap. <laughs> yep. Nyarlath the tap, that <laughs> is. Like, on that auction show. Nyarlath the tap. <laughs> yeah, like the storage wars but with yeah, just uh elder tomes and 
buckets. <laughs> this book has four eyes, four eyes. Do we have four, four eyes? Because five eyes. Now I clap a tap. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so it's degraded more than just that. Like it's yeah. her with her followers, but also Amanda says like, hey, four people have killed themselves. Right. Oh, uh, so she's bringing six? up sacrifice again. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, he just says that like with a real knowing wink. <laughs> Like, oh, it's actually, well, actually, ma'am. Did you look under the dog food, Amanda? (laughs) Jeez, Amanda, you really fucked this one up. (laughs) Um, So it's like, fuck, man, like, you know, this is getting real bad. Uh, The sacrifice. David says, like, hey, you know, I know that that (laughs) I know that the plan didn't go super great Uh at the pharmacy, but we can't stay here, man. Like, no, this is proving me right. Um, What if they operate by scent? Or David doesn't say that. David starts thinking it like he's, he's ready to get out and he's like. Um, he has this theory about them operating by scent. Yeah. It's like, if we get to the car as soon as possible, we will be effectively invisible to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he kind of gathers like a small group that he can fit in his car. And, uh, Ollie puts some groceries by the door so they can make it out. Um, at four in the morning, they try to make it out, but Mrs. Carmody's waiting for them. Yes. Carmody's waiting Stops for them. them. You know, she has destroyed the groceries. Um, and she begins her cries for expiation. Her word yeah. of the day, expiation. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I love that line. That's not in the book. It's in the movie. Um, yeah. I love um, this line. Her her pantsuit was a yellow scream in the gloom. Yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. um, explicitly she's saying like, "Hey, we we need the boy." Yeah. Like, you know, it's not just you. We're gonna say, you know, it's not just sacrifice in general. No, it's no, gonna be we... sacrifice of your son. Right. Um. Either because he is so young, or because she just does not like that David is, you know, the kind of the last voice of reason present. You know, yeah. so so effective at you know amassing these people, possibly against her. Um, and <laughs> she pulls like a little, uh, oh, you know, you, you, you want the bull, you get the horns and calls for Amanda's death as well. Yeah. You know, and like she, she is going like full on, full on witch at this point. Yep. Um, um, and Ollie to protect the group kills her. Like he shoots her in the stomach and she folds over and he, yep. you know, freaks out about it. Yeah. I wouldn't have done it if there was another way. Right. And it's just like, we know, you know, we got to get out of here. That's why. I and while all, all the people are hanging out, they, they get out of there. Yeah. That's why I thanked you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, sorry to sorry to cut you off there. No, no, I I cut you off. Um, no. But yeah, they escape while the crowd is stunned. Like they you know, they left they've left them without their savior. Um, you know, to go into the distance to you know to leave the womb. You know, and so once they're outside, they're exposed to the beast. In this final chapter, of the end. You know, a huge scorpion gets Holly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a spider gets Hattie Terman, and they make it to the car um, with uh, with five of them. Yeah. Um, they get there, they have their gun, they have four bullets left, they drive off. Right. Um, and they drive south, and the fog just keeps coming. Yeah, like they get from Bridgeport all the way, or Bridgeton, uh, all the way like down basically to the southern border of Maine. Nothing. Yeah. You know, yeah, they port- can't get home. They try to check uh, on his wife, but the, the roads are twisted. Like, they right. can't do it. Right. So, yeah, like they have no way of knowing if Stephanie is alive, but by all evidence, no. No, she's not. Yeah. His, wife is, his wife is gone, and, you know, his son has slept through that, so... You know, it doesn't have to get that. And this is where it's revealed that David has been writing this um, in his, you know, kind of this journal, this account at a Howard Johnson's at a Hojo's near the south, the southern border of Maine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, and they, they look out there. They're kind of seeing these like gigantic, fantastic beasts. I love both this section of the movie and of the book. Yeah. Where I mean, just... we'll, we'll get to the movie end here in like a second, because yeah. this is that, that's very, very good. Yeah. But I mean, I specific, 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 but... specifically this, the, like the, the seeing the different kinds of beasts that the mist brought, like these things that defy any notion of human scale. Yeah. Yeah. It's real good. The, the Billy says like, oh, is that a dinosaur? <laughs> you know, like they were like literally that that big. Right. 
you know, and they're not like, you know, they can't smell them. So they're not attacking them. Like it's undeniably dangerous, but they're in this like little, it's like they're, uh, in, in a, a diving bell right. surrounded by sharks. You know, it is, it is like this weird, like they're in this little bubble of, of, you know, uh, insecure safety mm-hmm. amidst just like unimaginable danger. Right. You know, really, really good. Yeah. One in particular spooky. makes a blue whale look like a trout. They say yeah. it's just covered in those flesh flies. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, they get to the end and he, he really draws like there's again, there's some author insert stuff here. Mm-hmm. Um, he draws in a line under, he's like, you know, I'm not going to give you a neat conclusion. That's something my dad would have called a, uh, a Hitchcock ending. Right. Kind of bullshit. Um, you know, uh, however, you know, and he, he kind of says some things that they could do. Right. You know, he mentions like having the four bullets and, and like maybe, you know, it's like we could take that route out. Right. You know, and then I could find something else for myself to do, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but eventually he says uh, that, that he has a little bit of hope. Mm-hmm. Because when he was having sex with Amanda um, on the radio in the in the um, uh, office, he heard through the static one particular word, Hartford, as in yeah. Hartford, Connecticut. So they just have to go south and hopefully maybe possibly there will be people there waiting for him. And yeah. that's what it ends on. Two words, Hartford yeah. and hope. Yeah. The, the, the ending is, is mildly more clumsy than that. He says like two words that sound the, the same Hartford, yeah. uh, like Hartford and hope. And like, those don't sound at all <laughs> right. the same. Like they have an H, but like, come on, um, <laughs> like, um, you get your missed adult brain back into the rhyme zone, buddy. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, they're, they're going to go. So it, it ends on, I would say a positively ambiguous note. Right. Right. They at you least know, have a goal. Right. Yes. And likely that they make it like we don't know that they would make it, mm-hmm. but that's the easiest end to fill in from the book. I think. Yeah. Like they, they, they at least make it to Hartford. They, they have a plan at the very least to like re gas up the four wheeler, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's the end. And the ending is good. Like the ending of the book. I, other than that, Hartford and hope sound the same thing. Like <laughs> I like that as, as an ending. Right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm down for that. I'm down for this, like suggested, uh, apocalypse they're moving yeah. through. And Hollywood abhors, a an amb- ambiguous ending uh with mm-hmm. you know and on the whole there are a couple of of uh, of exceptions to that and so they had to bring a little bit more conclusion to it when they adapted this to the film usually that hurts things i love mm-hmm. the ending to the movie it is such I, a gut punch yeah i uh i think i think this is one of my favorite movie endings ever yeah um it is i mean it's real bleak <laughs> you know but the way that they the way they do it like so it becomes there's not like uh, music really in the movie so much right. uh, until this point. There's a little bit, but they leave, they make it through and it becomes this like very long, eerily peaceful shot of them going through this world uh, that is destroyed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that is uh, covered in these spider webs um, and this like music that's like choral uh, music that's playing. Yeah. Um, and like they go back and visit home and he sees his wife like in a cocoon. Right. You know, and it's like the saddest fucking thing. Uh, you know, until eventually they just run out of gas, which like in the book, they're like, you know, maybe I could run out, you know, be, I'd be outside the car, but I might be able to siphon some, right? you know, and it's like, well, that, that's going to be a big dramatic thing. We're not going to see mm-hmm. like them not really considering that. Like, it's like, we can't leave the fucking car, like making it to the car killed like three people. Right. You know, we're not going to make it if we have to siphon gas, like we were able to go, but this is it, mm-hmm. you know? So. Yeah. Um, and so like you get to this point. And for me, you know, my initial watch, and I kind of even forgot some of the details of this. I, I didn't know when the credits were going to kick in. And mm-hmm. that's that's the tension of this, because from the moment they run out of gas, any part of this could have been the last scene. It could have been the last shot, right? Like, oops, out of gas, we're done. 
Mm-hmm. But then, yeah. and you know, <laughs> good. That would have been like much more ambiguous. Yes. You know, like you just run out of gas and it's like, well, we presume they starved to death. Whoopsie do, you know, uh, instead he like, they look at him, he gives a look to it, to his buddy, uh, who like kind of nods. It's like, yeah, we're, I'm, I've got enough bullets to shoot the, the three of you. I think it is in the movie. Uh, but there's four of us. Right. And he goes to shoot his kid. His kid wakes up, his kid's sleeping, mm-hmm. wakes up just for a second. And then that pans out to a long shot of the car. Right. And you get the, the three shots. He shot his other companions. Right. And he is left by himself and he's incredibly distraught having just done this awful, but necessary thing, you know, yeah. necessary in his mind. You know, he like, even knowing that the gun is empty, he opens it and dry fires into his mouth you know sobbing just it's it's pretty rough and so good screams like it it is good like i i have a i like thomas jane yeah it's a weird thing like he's not in anything (laughs) right you know like he doesn't like get to act really anymore but like (laughs) i like that punisher movie i like thomas jane in this like i think he's a good actor right um and these like just anguish just like you know pain like it's really good yeah uh, i think and Um, so he decides the quickest way to end it is to get out of the car Mm-hmm. you know he is he is suicide he is, by monster right he has spared everybody else the you know the horror of the particular death that he has consigned himself to you know this yes. is this is a final selfless act that he has done again fulfilling this role that he has been in the entire time of you know the leader and facilitator yeah. um and he's out there and he has no idea why things aren't taking him yeah he starts get you know yelling come on yeah Come on, come on. Until Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's very Lieutenant Dan. You know? um, it's a, uh, and he, you know, until uh, you start seeing people walk out of the mist with flamethrowers. Yeah. And a truck pull out and yeah. a tank pull up and a truck that has that woman who left in the, the very beginning before yeah. the monster started Play, pouring out. Played by Carol from The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, he didn't have to do that. No. You know, no. the, like the, like the mist clears up, like, you know, with the mist gone, you can see like the carnage that has happened to the earth and to the woods and all these animals around him. Um, but, you know, he is there sobbing next to this car that is, you know, has his yep. dead son in it. Yeah, he he made the best choice he could with the with incomplete information. Um, it's, you know, on some level, it's like, yes, it's a little bit silly because like, you know, he could just wait a second. Mm-hmm. but it's such well, no, a homage to like well yeah i mean no. <laughs> like like, like he, he i mean like yes he he decided to do it it's a little bit silly because it happened so immediately after but like yes yeah good I, I didn't mean to interrupt you go ahead and finish no. your point which is a, it's a coincidence but the ending ends up being it's so like twilight zone harlan ellison-y yes like it feels like a twilight zone to me mm-hmm. uh in the best possible way like this is a very like ironic you know uh if you had just waited a little bit longer you wouldn't have this right you know, and it, it it's an appropriate like they died. Uh, he's not going to be okay. No, yeah, like, he's nothing, he's done. His life yeah. is over. Yeah, this you don't you don't come back from that, right? You know, and it it is the ultimate to me. The reason why it works as much as it is kind of over the top is that like it is the ultimate expression of the thesis of the movie and book, which is like, what do you do? You know, when can what are different ways people uh, react to being confronted by this? Mm-hmm. And this is like a really extreme one. Yes. You know, one of your instincts in this kind of situation is to protect the people you care about from it. Mm -hmm. And protecting them can mean cutting it short before something more awful could happen to them. Yeah. Protecting them from being devoured or being uh, because it's incredibly painful. There's a scene in the movie where uh, his buddy uh, Norton is in the uh, the uh, drugstore Uh and is like a nest and falls over and a million spiders fall out of his back. Right. It's horrific. Mm -hmm. You know, so like. He's protecting them from something worse than death. Right. 
You know, it, it is a noble action, but it, it's an extreme action. And he's pushed to that kind of extreme. That's one mm-hmm. of the things that you can do in this situation. Yeah. Uh, and it just like, you know, it just add, pops onto that tragedy as like a thing to explore. Like it is even worse. Like the, the yeah. cost he paid is even worse yeah. than you would expect. It is like the balancing on this knife edge between is it worth hoping or is it worth being realistic about what your options are and take you know and, and taking what has to be what has you know what has to be the most merciful course of action right mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh it's it's a gut punch and a half it is like you know and you you, you look at that i can't say that i would have made a different decision at that yeah. at that moment right you know because every every time is like <laughs> every minute that they're there in that car is you know just a, a tightening of the noose it is panic it is people running out it is ensuring that they are going to die in the suboptimal way yeah i say yeah. that as though i would have made it that far i would have been one of those people who left in the uh in the opening oh who knows like i would probably be like one of the sleeping pills people <laughs> like it's, <laughs> yeah. you know it's uh if, if i if i had to, to be one of the people like the painless death would have been yeah. probably my choice um but yeah it's 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 incredibly intense he um frank darabont uh wanted to do this ending um he came up with it Stephen King loved it. Yep. Like Stephen King, it has his blessing. He's like, oh, that's way better than what I came up with. Yep. Um, and then he had this, he was going to do this movie with a production company. They wanted to change the ending. He said no deal and did it for like less budget Yep. Uh, in exchange for getting to do it like the way he wanted to. Because he realized like it's very important mm-hmm. to, uh, to to this. Yeah. So well, like, so this is ultimately, like, you know, weirdly, it's, it's weird to call that hopeful. It's hopeful for the world because there is yeah. still order in the book. You know, who knows? How far this how far this mist is gone? Who knows if they're even in the same dimension, in the same world, in the same level of the tower, or if they are firmly entrenched in Todash space? Like, you know, at the very yeah. least in the movie, even though our main character, you know, no longer has a life, his wife and child are dead. He has done, you know, something terrible, even though it felt necessary. Um, the world can go on. Yeah, yeah. It's it's both endings are good. Yeah. The idea of like the implied adventures of these, this, this group of survivors going to Hartford and dealing with this new status quo is cool. Yeah. Uh, this situation where this person is actually pushed to this limit is also cool. Yeah. They're both good. Um, I was surprised by how, uh, and I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, but it's like so accurate. Like other than that, really that ending and a couple of little things that we pointed out, uh-huh. like a lot of the dialogue in the movie comes directly from the book. Mm hmm. Um, and the premise is because it's a novella, it adapts to a book really well. I imagine like it adapts to a movie very well or yeah, thank you. Um, adapts to a movie very well. Like I imagine that's a thing, um, as somebody, you know, if you've, if you read a lot of the books, like, like you have and watched a lot of the adaptations, like Mm -hmm. that ends up being a problem, like things being too condensed. Right. You know, and this is since it's a shorter work that doesn't really happen here. Yeah. I need to make some time to at least watch a couple of episodes of the TV show just to see if there's anything, Mm -hmm worth noticing there like two hours feels appropriate for this yeah just like if they tried to stretch this story out beyond the you know the 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 novella limit i think it would have it would have overstayed its welcome right i don't Mm -hmm. think i don't think there is enough here i think that the story as it exists is incredibly strong um and does you know map to film very well i think that this is a, a, a very strong choice you know for them to have adapted to a film i think so too and and as somebody who like didn't come at this from a uh, perspective of Stephen King affection, mm-hmm. um, this is easily and like this is in the top three like Lovecraft movies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not explicitly a Lovecraft movie, but it may as well be. Right. And it's like it is as good to that tone uh, as the thing or Mouth of Madness. Right. Uh, 
uh, I think. Yeah. Like, so it, it, it's got things for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some, some very good ideas. Some just, uh, just wonderful, wonderful horror. Yeah, absolutely. Good shit. I'm, I'm glad that you did this and I got an opportunity to talk about it with you. Yeah. I'm really happy you came on. Um, yeah. it's a, it is a story I really enjoy and I, oh, by gosh, man, I love doing podcasts with you. So oh, it's good having yeah. you on. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm making the rounds. I'm doing my punch cards, uh, of, of duck feed shows. So yeah. at some point I'm going to come on, uh, those damn Ross kids, but I'm going to do it just as Chris and, <laughs> uh, as opposed to being as you like, Hey, you little weenie. Is that, is that good? Is that how he does it? Yep. That's a, <laughs> it's him as a spinning image. I would, I can't, I can't tell the difference. Hey, you dork. Um, I'm Chris. <laughs> I have a daughter. That's there we go. I mean, All the indistinguishable. points. Indistinguishable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, yeah. where, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Gary Buh, G-A-R-Y-B-U-H, and then on the Duckfeed TV network on all the other shows, except yeah. for those damn Ross kids and the level. Right. Um, yeah. So next time we're going to be talking about the It movie, uh, because mm. It as a story is tower connected. Um, and, uh, I don't know, I, I have much better, much, much higher hopes, uh, for that movie as a movie, uh, than the dark tower one. You're, you're talking about the, the new it movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, you'll, you have to tell me how that is. I, I like the old it movie. Yep. I want to, I want to see if it's, I wonder if the, uh, how the new one is. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you. It's, um, yeah. the, 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 the trailers look very good. Yeah. I, I've been watching the trailers. It does look good. I just, I, I, I gotta get that to Curry, you know, like I just yeah, like Tim yeah. Curry. It's, uh, I, it's, it's I, I can't imagine them improving on that. Mm-hmm. You know, out of every other part could be improved upon. Right. But that won't be. <laughs> you're John's Ritter. Um, yeah, you're just... <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, you can always up a John's Ritter. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Well, uh, we're doing that next time, and then we're doing uh, The Stand as a two-parter after that. And after that, we're going to begin a Wizard and Glass. I'm very excited. That is a, a very good book. Um, the third one or fourth one? Fourth one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, if you want to help the show out, you can share it with your friends, um, especially because we are in this off season where we're talking about smaller things. If you know people who uh, like Stephen King movie adaptations, send this episode their way. Um, I thought it was fun. I hope you thought it was fun. But otherwise, mm-hmm. ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to go over to Patreon.com slash TV, you can check that out. One of the um, tiers that we have. Uh, one of our milestone goals is actually to do something very similar to this. Gary and I uh, want to talk about Lovecraft re- Lovecraft related movies. So yes. this this could be considered kind of a backdoor pilot for that. Oh, absolutely! Like originally, I was like, "Oh, let's not talk about the movie because I want to save it for that show." But this is the book so much like the movie, like it's this hard. is the backdoor pilot for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there, there's lots of other Lovecraft adaptations and Lovecraftian adaptations, and we both love that shit. Yep. Um, it would be really fun to talk about talk about that the, the working title of that is unfilmable mm-hmm. i need to see if there is another podcast called that yeah um and if not i, I think that's a good name for something like this yep. um and it would also that would be a fun show too because not everything will be this good no um there, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of trash in that, yeah. that bucket this, this, this well. is this is the high watermark like outside of the thing 100 yeah. percent. and yeah, and, and mouth of madness which i love yeah uh and reanimator which is really can't be fun mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of low cards in that deck, yeah. Um, but yeah. that'd be really fun to do because there's like there's good short films and shit. There's like compilation uh, DVDs that are very good. Yeah. Uh, from the the film festival, that'd be a really fun show to do. Very much so. Uh, so yeah. yeah. So help us get there. Um, <laughs> one or two dollars at a time. That is really all it takes, and it makes a gigantic difference for us as people who podcast full time. You know, Absolutely. like that is a big deal for us. So um, until next time, 
long days and pleasant nights. And Gary, I want you to say, and, and may you have half, uh, twice the number. And may you have twice the number. Thank you.